show for all mankind podcast i'm your host nick yeager and we've got a full house tonight with me tonight are rick Privet, bob scott hi bob tom hi bob john hi bob and leader of the infinite potato alliance sean hi bob Today we're discussing the third episode of season four. As usual, I'll start with my synopsis and then we'll move on to the discussion. But before we get to that, I just wanted to give the group some feedback from a listener, uh, Kevin, the physicist who's been a panelist on this show before. He wanted to add to our conversation about the divide between the haves and the have-nots in Happy Valley and uh, how we found it to be unrealistic. He pointed out that another way in which it didn't quite add up was the idea that the elites would be living on the surface level while the lower deckers were literally below decks because the deeper down you go, the more you'd be protected from the radiation. So in fact, the elites would keep the lower levels for themselves and force the grunts to live up higher. And, you know, probably no one would actually be living on surface level. Yeah. So good point. All right, on to episode three, The Bear Hug. We open with Margot being brought to prison and 10 points to Scott because he called it last week. It's a coup, or as he put it, coup be happening. <laughs> Margot reveals that her, she reveals that her alias is Canadian. And that got such a huge laugh from me because I was like, with that accent? I don't think so. <laughs> and I'm also like, okay, that's the second joke now in this show about Canada. So surely one of the writers or something is Canadian. And I looked it up and no, they're all American with one Scotsman. So I don't how know what that's that? about. No, no, I was like, how is it a joke about Canadian? She just, she just had well, a so I'm Canadian. Don't you know I'm Canadian? Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought it was a joke because it was so ridiculous. Yeah. It was so laughable. Like, you know, the average Russian wouldn't be able to tell the difference in terms of accent. Yeah, but a KGB agent absolutely would. All right, maybe. Anyway, Margot gets briefly interrogated by one guy, and he wants to know about that mysterious phone number she received. But then he's tortured by another guy and killed in front of Margot. And then that guy starts interrogating and mildly torturing her. He also wants to know about the phone number. But Margot genuinely doesn't know anything. Eventually, she's brought to another location. And we all know you never go to a second location. Unless you've already been to the second location, so you might as well go to the third, especially if that third location is actually a rescue. New character Irina is now the head of Roscosmos, and she wants Margot to be part of her team. So yay, except whew, quite the harrowing journey to get there. In Happy Valley, they get news about the Russian coup, and cosmonaut Svetlana is distraught because she hasn't heard from her father in a while. While on a mission with Ed to do some kind of space maneuver, we see that Ed is still dealing with shaky hand syndrome. He hides it from Svetlana and asks her to do the maneuver under the guise of generously allowing her to take the wheel. But that's at least responsible on his part. Later on, she reveals that she's dealing with debilitating back pain, and he invites her to his grow-up. Ten points to me for calling it that Wayne was his supplier. (laughs) Ed swears Svetlana to secrecy, and she easily agrees and takes a hit off his bong. Ed talks about Karen, and Svetlana talks about her papa. Yet the scene still has a tinge of romance about it, which, ew. Ed (laughs) is so smitten, he even reveals his shaky hand to her. Meanwhile, in the lower decks, Miles is still poor and self-pitying, but he shall not be defeated. With Massey's help, he finagles his way into a partnership with Ilya, the dude who runs the black market. In an effort to improve Ilya still, he breaks it, and he needs a particular MacGuffin to fix it but the only one in the whole station is in the North Korean camp. And Miles proves he's got guts because he fakes a methane leak so he can get into their camp while also evacuating all their peeps. He opens their fridge and steals the MacGuffin, but Lee Jong-il catches him and blackmails him into doing him a favor. And that favor is to be brought to the speakeasy so he can ask Ilya to find his wife. Meanwhile, Deva Yessa is chilling on his private beach, uh, really leaning in to being a complete and total asshole. 
Kelly and Aleda visit him to pitch their idea after unsuccessfully pitching it to Helios and a few other companies. Dev is equally unimpressed and Kelly snaps at him, accusing him of no longer being the dreamer her mom talked about. He snaps back, noting that it was Karen's betrayal that turned him into new and improved flavor poopsicle, as opposed to original flavor <laughs> pocket full of poops. So red flag number one, Kelly. Dev turns them away, but later on reconsiders and flies in his private jet to Kelly's home, beating her there, which red flag number two, Kelly, like he couldn't <laughs> swing by the airport and pick them up before heading to her place. He suggests that rather than invest his money, they use Helios money by having a coup of their own. He's still a shareholder and Kelly has Karen's shares. So they just need to turn a few more shareholders to successfully overthrow the current board. Aleda volunteers to go convince Bill to join their cause. Bill has become a bit of a hoarder and he's now in a wheelchair, presumably injured in the JSC bombing. They talk about their shared trauma and Bill gives her shit about her loyalty to Margot. But she explains that she just can't keep working at NASA anymore. Manned space missions are too much for her frayed nerves, and Bill gets it. She asks him to join her in this new enterprise, but he's done with all that. He refuses to go work with her, but he does sign over his shares. So they've got enough stakeholders now for a takeover, and Dev strolls into Helios into a board meeting with Kelly and Aleda in tow. He swings his dick around and, without any gentillesse, kicks a bunch of people out, making his contempt quite clear. Red flag number three, Kelly. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So last week we said we weren't really pleased with this season, but I thought this episode was a vast improvement. And it seems as though some of the things we didn't like about last week were misdirections. Uh, we had two coups in this episode, which I'm sure was no coincidence. It was interesting to compare the brutality faced by Margot in Russia with another kind of brutality that Dev inflicted on the Helios board. Uh, I was impressed by Cynthia Wu's performance in this episode. Up to this point, Kelly has been a little dull to me, but it was great to see the expression on her face when Dev does his takeover. Cause like at first she's like, woohoo, everything's coming up Millhouse. But then he goes <laughs> full Dev and she's like, oh shit, what have I gotten myself into? Like didn't Kelly's mom tell her why she betrayed Dev? Uh, so this is a bit of an aside, but it's interesting to note that in real life, a boardroom coup was happening during the same week that this episode came out. Uh, it's only interesting if you follow the world of AI, but as someone who does to a small extent, uh, it was fascinating to me to see the very similar thing unfolding in real time. In the span of four days, Sam Altman was fired and then rehired as CEO of OpenAI, and most board members were ousted. So the writers of Moonshow must have been loving it when they saw this scandal lining up with the airing of this particular episode. Does anyone follow or is anyone even aware of any of that stuff? Anyway, That's I, the I thought, first I've heard of it. Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a whirlwind. And like I said, that it happened at the same time as this episode was airing. I was like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there are a lot of narcissists in this show, which we've talked about a lot. But it makes sense, you know, for a show about high-powered people. I would argue that Dev is the most dangerous of these people. But considering all his talk in the past about egalitarianism, is him being back in the driver's seat at Helios good for the Lower Deckers and Happy Valley? Or will things get even worse for them? I, oh, man, that was that was a scary scene. Because if I was right up there, right there with Kelly, I was like, yeah, you go, you go. Holy shit. <laughs> this is <Yeah>. bloody. <laughs> yeah, he's scary. Because that's it. It's like, it's fine to be in league with someone like that as long as they're on your side. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they decide you're not useful to them anymore, they're going to turn their back on you. And so Aleda and Kelly are not safe with Dev. They're putting all their eggs in one basket. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're giving power to somebody that's already shown. That's you it. can't be trusted with it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it started at Kelly's house. Mm -hmm. That's that's when I noticed it. He gave them the plan and and Kelly says, you know, fuck it, let's do it. And immediately Dev says, okay, shareholders, here's the list. I'm going to contact these people. Kelly, I want you to contact these people. Wait a minute. Who are you to be giving orders all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's, he's assigning people for them to go contact like this is his big idea. Yeah. Well, as in as in like the, the whole venture not just his yeah. takeover his takeover helios is the idea but they came to him asking for help 
Yeah, he's taking over. Absolutely. In, in one in one smooth step, he turned it into his plan, his venture, and he's giving the marching orders. Well, also, I don't know if any of any of y'all caught it or, or reacted to it the same way I did, but the just the creep factor totally went off the off the scale when he taught her son a magic trick. And they're already best buds before she even walks in the door. And that yeah. was like, oh, hell no. You don't start talking to my kids when I'm not there. Well, that's well, it. Like, like I said, it's a red flag to me that he showed up at her house before she was even there. Red flag point five. The spiteful mother-in-law loves Deb, apparently. Well, yeah, that's exactly. it. Because he's charming at first until you get to know him. And that's how narcissists are. Yeah, and his people skills are probably a lot even worse than they were before because he spent the last, I don't know how many years, living in isolation, it seems yeah. like. Because as soon as somebody set foot on his property, it's like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to go beyond that gate. And he's he's living in like a little compound of one person. This is know. a private beach, beatnik. Oh, so you're on the ocean now? Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. I was wondering, because, you know, I don't know if it's the same in California. I assume that's where they are. Well, no, they're, I don't know where they are. In Florida, there is no, there. well, there are private beaches, but nobody is allowed to own anything from the high tide mark out. So you may not be able to go from like the street down to the beach through somebody's private beach area. I'm sure Dev has found some place in the world where he can do whatever the heck he wants. Yeah. <laughs> so is this going to be good for happy valley oh hell no this, <laughs> this cannot end well i think it could be i think it's i think happy valley is in the same position as uh aleda and kelly as long as their interests align with devs and they're golden but yeah but that's she, it as soon as soon as you step yeah. out of line like even slightly or even if you don't step out of line even if you if he just decides that you're of no use to him anymore. He's going to pounce. Well, the, the thing that gets me about this whole endeavor is I don't, you know, other than being a, a path back in to running the company and maybe wreaking a little vengeance while he's there, I don't see what his interest is in this purely scientific endeavor. As he said, there's no ROI in it. Yeah, no, he just wants to take over Helios. When he's reconsidering, it's not like, huh, this project is interesting. It's no, it's, huh, Kelly has all of Karen's shares. I can get my foot in the door. I could see that being a, a really big angle for him. The advantage to being able to get back into Helios. But the uh, seeker, that technology they developed, it was able to detect you know, chemical compounds, wasn't it? Doesn't seem like it'd be that far from being able to develop it as a mining technology, which is what he was going after. And so kind of usurping that technology for his purposes rather than the the lofty ideals that Kelly had. But it's already his technology. What, the seeker? The, the robot, yeah. Yeah, the robot oh, so. was built by his company. The, thought... the NASA was using Dev's robotics company to make their little seeker robots. But indeed, maybe he hadn't, you know, tooled them in such a way to be able to seek out chemicals. So I think maybe Tom's right that he's going to usurp this... Uh, um, technology in order to pivot to mining. I, I think you're right, Tom. Yeah, I also got confused how, uh, maybe they'll address it later, how Kelly and Aleda can just say, we're selling this this robot technology that NASA's, you know, they said NASA's been testing it. It's yeah. On the ship at NASA. Yeah, that indeed. We... I, I'm not sure how that works from a legal standpoint. Like, like the work you do for a company is owned by that company. It's not owned by the individual who develops it. Right. Or at least yeah. that's how it works in our world. Maybe it's different in the universe of uh, For All Mankind, but that's another excellent point, Tom. Just be because they developed it at NASA, NASA owns it and they can't just go elsewhere. I took that to mean that they have already reaped the benefits of gathering the data. Like they've already done the research uh, or already gotten a lot of information while it was under the NASA banner. So they've still got the they've still got the data. It's it's not it's not like uh you know, it's not necessarily developing new robotics as much as it is learning more about systems and about the the type of research that they're trying to do. But I could be wrong. I won't, I just, no, but I, just... I, I see what you're you're getting at because I guess the only thing owned by NASA would be whatever was useful to them in terms because the robot technology is already owned by Dev, and 
he said that NASA was sending him updates on their progress. So he already has the data. So presumably he's allowed to use it as he wishes. So the only thing that would be, uh, yeah, I guess there's nothing left to be owned by NASA that wouldn't be already in the public domain, I guess. Well, then that just really makes it even less that Kelly and Aleda have. Right. What are they bringing to the to the table? All, yeah. Well, I guess their minds. I guess, Kelly is the one who actually knows how to run the program. She developed the science of it. The more, the more. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right that it was like it was a I don't say a con. It was a play for uh, for Kelly shares. Hmm. It was a mutually beneficial uh, transaction. Working in manufacturing, uh, uh, I have having conversations with engineers. It's illegal to take another person's blueprint and make the same product, but it's not really the illegal to take their product and reverse engineer it. So <laughs> they can just reverse engineer what they had from NASA, makes a few tweaks enough to where they're not copying the patent or whatever. Yeah. And they've got the same technology. Yeah. Before we move away from this particular store, part of the story, I just want to say I love every scene between Bill and Aleda. And... Well, I'm about to get to oh, that. Okay. So that's it. I, I want to stick with Dev, but I, first I will pivot to Bill. Uh, yeah, because it was great to see him interact with Aleda again. Um, I like that he didn't even care about what her project was. He just he didn't need to be convinced. He's just like, yeah, I trust you. I'll sign the thing. Just also, don't touch my really robot. <laughs> don't touch my robot with the robot. <laughs> But I really like seeing a character who's so different from the others in this show because he doesn't want to be embroiled in any of the bullshit anymore. He's over it. He just wants to live his life. Relatable, Bill. Relatable. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is what brings me back to Dev because it's interesting to see Bill's choices paralleled with Dev's. They both mm. left everything behind and went to live in solitude. But even living alone, Dev continues to have a huge impact on other people and his environment, as evidenced by the scene with the surfer girl. So do you see Bill's actions as equally selfish and destructive as Dev's, or do you find his choices aspirational? Like, is he simply taking control of his life and leaving all that bullshit behind? Or do you interpret his cloistering as having given up? I think there's a third option. Go ahead. He got a big insurance payout and went, I'm done. I'm going to go build toys for the rest of my life. Well, that's what I mean by him making the choice to step away and like taking yeah. control of his of his narrative. Yeah, but I don't I don't think it was giving up or anything. It was like, I don't have to work anymore. <laughs> I'm not going well, that, to. Well, that's it, it. That's exactly where I was coming oh, okay. from. Because yeah. I'm Ma like, making this is aspirational. Choice. Yes. Yeah, 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 making right, that choice, right. but not in a defeatist, sad way. Yeah. I, I think Bill... Uh, his parallel is more with Aleda than Dev. Go on. Uh, just with her uh, PSD, you know, he, she left NASA as a result of that. He left Helios, it looks like, as a result of the explosion. So they're, they're both kind of retreating from, from that um, tragedy. I think he's cutting ties with toxicity, just just, just like you would cut ties with a, per with a toxic person. Because... Uh, he, he worked all those years for an organization and what did it get him? He's in a wheelchair now, you know, so he's, so he's probably a little bitter about that, but he's just moving on. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. You can have, you can have my shares and do whatever. I just don't want to have anything to do with it. Don't ask me to come back because that's part of my life that I'm that's behind me now. So. Well, what I found very interesting is he gives a later crap for leaving because he, he, truly believes that she's better than than what she's doing and that you know she should be running the place by now but then when she's like come work with me he's like oh hell no no i'm not going back and she didn't call him out on it at least mm -hmm. not that we saw i don't think i don't think it's the same i don't think it's the same at all she bill is effectively i'm gonna say at the end of his career but he's had a long career yeah you know he was there for what 20 years before Alita started working there and so from his perspective I guess to a degree, he he saw himself as passing the torch to her, mm. not him directly, obviously, like he was her superior, but like the next generation of engineers. It's also different because he left NASA to go work for Helios only to discover that Helios was a shit show. And so I think there's also um, an aspect of like, you know, do as I say, not as I do, or uh, an aspect I'm... like re regretting jumping ship from NASA and seeing like, you know, you stayed at NASA and you should be director by now. 
but to your point, yeah, he had worked long enough that it made sense for him to retire after the bombing, whereas for her, she was still at the beginning of her career. I don't think either of them was giving the other crap. This scene was probably my favorite scene in the show. All right. So it seems like everybody loved this episode. I didn't love this episode. Interesting. Yeah, we can discuss that in a minute. (laughs) But yeah, I love the scene between them because, you know, when she had to go back and apologize, you know, all those years ago from bringing up the the peanut thing, they... I get the sense established a relationship of just we're not this is this is a no bullshit zone and everybody else almost everybody else in this show has some degree of artifice or secrets or hiding or agenda and they just don't do that and that's refreshing and that's why you know Alayda can just admit to him when she can't really talk to her boss about it she can't talk to her husband about it here's what's going on with me you know and Bill presumably doesn't really talk to many people and he's like, here's what's going on with me. And so, yeah, it was it was a very pure scene. So I, I I really appreciated that. I thought it was noteworthy that she told him everything that was going on with with her reactions after the bombing and the the PTSD. She won't tell anyone else. She uh, hardly ever admits it to herself. She's certainly not going to go and look for help for it. But Bill, she will tell. It was as clear as they could make it that the two of them have. A friendship and a connection that she doesn't have with other people the years working together they they got close enough that they can share stuff with each other that they probably wouldn't share with other people hopefully this might lead Aleda to maybe tell some more people or maybe try to seek some sort of help for what she's going through who knows if she will this is Aleda we're talking about but what i found interesting was in this episode she shares that secret about herself with Bill, something that she would she would kill to avoid telling that to anyone else. And in the same episode, Ed, who never tells anyone anything, tells Svetlana that he has tremors. Yes, nice. So we've got two of the of the most destructively secret keeping people sharing the something big secrets. about themselves. You're right. That's another parallel in this episode that I didn't even catch. So let's uh, let's cover Ed and Svetlana. Uh, it was nice to see the softer side of Sears in Ed this episode. <laughs> uh, he's finally sympathetic. Is anyone back on Team Ed? No. John, you've defended Ed a lot in the past. Are you on Team Ed again? Or I'm as like... much on Team Ed as I as I've ever been. I've never I've never thought he was the. I don't think you guys saw him as a villain, but just like this cretin, this <laughs> jet pain of a person. I'm like he's not great, but he's. I think Ed is Ed is consistent, and I guess there's something to be said for that. But Ed is always, and I think Rick said this too. Ed is pretty much always trying to do the right thing. He just doesn't care about uh, any new tools to try to do the right thing. He's got he's got three tools in his toolbox, and it's a screwdriver. He's got a hammer, and he's got a pair of pliers. And if he calls for maybe needle nose pliers, well, the pliers will work. And if you get <laughs> And if you need maybe a ratchet, well, the hammer will work. Like he'll, he's, he's not, he's not complicated. He's not complicated. Uh, but I don't, I guess, all right, I'm probably not really answering your question. It was, it, yes, it, I, it, it was a positive aspect of Ed that I was, that I was happy to see. Gave up control of the, literally gave up control of the ship and acknowledged to his co-pilot later that here's why. Because he could have, he could have played it off and just and the one thing yeah. Ed is good at is he's a good astronaut, so that didn't surprise me at all. Especially when he found a way to work around it without having to tell his superiors. Right, but I wasn't necessarily surprised that he let her do it. I figured he was going to actually, but I I was pleasantly surprised that not only did he <laughs> share his stash, but he told her what was up with the tremors. Because this, you know, Ed from 10, 20 years ago would never, never have admitted weakness. Ever. Yeah. Nor would he be ever. weak. So I've you listened to this show for a long time and I've and I've never agreed with the uh the hatred of Ed because one thing that I really like about this show is that there's not there's not any good guys and bad guys. It's just 
they're all flawed people. Ed is an incredibly flawed person and he's done some things that I hate and he's done some things that just, I mean, he's just a guy, you know, he's just, he's just a, a, a guy and sometimes he makes bad decisions. But uh, I do want to point out going back to your synopsis of the episode, that was not a bong. That was a bowl, but that's <laughs> <Okay>. all. <laughs> as long as we tackle the important shit. Right. Well, somebody will hear and somebody will say that wasn't a bong. <laughs> I, well, that someone would have been you and you're on the show. So <laughs> yeah. I, I bet you money that no one would have sent in a comment correcting that term. Well, <laughs> no one really sends in comments regardless. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. About the potential romance brewing between Ed and Svetlana. I mean, I'm not the only one who saw that, right? Oh no, no, no. It's okay. yeah, it looked that way. Yeah. So on a scale I'm, of I'm one to two, you're like, yeah, she bought him. He, he was sucking on his bong. I'm like, come on. Just... <laughs> <laughs> That's how you're going to put that. Yeah. Yeah. Think of it that way. <laughs> what okay. I'm curious about is is it a romance or is it Ed seeing it that way? And Svetlana's just like he's reminding her of, of her father, and well, then it's gonna so get weird. No, that's the, the way thing. he was touching his hand was not exactly. Well, we're also oh, in yeah. the middle of the we're also in the middle of the Cold War. So is it possible that she could be letting him get closer to her so that he she can get secrets? You know, she she may be an asset. Oh, or she gosh, may be I, trying to make him an asset. I didn't even yeah. think of that. I, but because again, thinking... the Cold War is irrelevant in, in on Mars because everybody has access to everything except the North Koreans. Except yeah, it's I not would... irrelevant because if she's a secret KGB agent, maybe she's not there to do Mars shit. Maybe if that's she's incidental. Orders, maybe she, she's yeah. there to to collect intel on something unrelated. I was thinking that she kept saying, like, she was trying to reach my father, she's trying to reach my father. I'm I was wondering if her father is someone who is like directly tied into this whole political situation. If I mean not that she's the daughter of Gorbachev or something, but somebody like who's relevant to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the big reveal later. Yeah, because I agree John, the way she was touching his hand, that's that's like her reciprocating his feelings. So yeah, either she's genuinely interested or she's working him. I like that theory. It makes it less gross somehow <laughs> to me. And I, had, I think I had blocked the whole hand touching thing because you're no, right. She absolutely was doing that. Yeah, it's all gross. It's all gross. <laughs> How old is Ed? And I, and I, I mean, I did a little bit of math. If if he was 35 in 1969, that's just estimating that he may have been 35. Then he would be 69 now, right? So Which or not now, old. but in two thousand three, yeah. I figured he had to be in his in his seventies, but yeah, sixty nine. That's not so bad, I guess. Not that seventy is like you're not allowed to have romance if you're in your seventies. <laughs> yeah, 70s. yeah it's I was just that she's this, so much I, younger. It's just that she looks like she's in her forties. Yeah, I was trying not to be judgy, like because I was watching. I was like, gross, and I was like, wait, John, like <laughs> you're being super judgy right now. Exactly. Like if like if. Like, if because you're right, like romances like this can absolutely happen. Uh, maybe just because it's it. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe not it's Danny, so Karen, gross. So you know, at least they're they're both, as far as we know, single. Yes, and, they're both you know, consenting yeah. adults, and it's hey, it's a smaller age gap than the gap between uh, Patrick Stewart and Sonny Ozell. So I guess it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and by the way, just none of us gave a, a, a like an overall. What did we think of this episode? This was better, but it was still by no means where I want this show to be right now either. Especially okay. if we're going to start talking about Miles now. <laughs> okay, first let's talk about uh, the other coup in this episode um, in Russia. Arena wasn't very sympathetic to Margot's suffering, but you know, I guess she's been there, done that. Like whatever, this is Russia. What'd you expect? Uh, well, she did so say now, it took her a, a while to find Margot. To find her, yeah. But again, but she wasn't like, oh my God, I hope you're gay. She's just like, you are with me now. Let's go stuff. <laughs> yeah. well, she did a little ha- a little face caress there, you know, for yeah. a Russian. That's, yeah. that's a you huge You are mine now, Margot. <laughs> and they don't, they don't have uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, it's 2003 yeah can, can i t- i want to steal a, a page out of out of the madison book playbook here Uh-oh. because something occurred to me as i was watching this for the the second time do you think arena is somehow related to sergey it did occur well, to me, yeah. 
I mean, I know soap operas do this kind of thing all the time, but not everyone can be related to everyone else. But she said that I've known you for a long time. And when I first... Well, I just took that to mean that she's been following her career for a long time. And that's what I thought, too. But then the second time through with the how affectionate she was being. I mean, she's way too old to be Sergey's daughter, but she could be a sister or, you know, someone who's grateful to Margot for getting Sergey out of danger. Uh, or I, was, you know, I, yeah. I thought the same thing, Rick. So I am I will I will co-sign your. Um, <laughs> I mean, she theory. could just be someone who was working with Sergey. Yeah. And so and, and he confided in her. And so she knows she knows about their history. I didn't do the math, but the very first thing when she said that I've known you for a long time, I thought, oh, maybe that's Sergey's daughter or something. Well, that was my first thought, but she's she's way too old for that. Yeah, yeah she's I, too old. Yeah, I think she's older than Margot. So yeah. or at least real close. Yeah, because Margot would be in her 50s at this point, I yeah, think. Yeah, she described if... a woman in her 60s, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, wouldn't have... I wouldn't have said that, but she didn't look like I would have put Margot older. She I would, think, I no. I would make her around 60. I would right, but if, 60. but if you do the math, again, if you do the math, assuming that Margot was, let's say, around 25 at the beginning mm-hmm. of this the series, she would only mm-hmm. be in her 50s now. And I think yeah. the reason she looks so rough is not because of her age. It's because she's been living in Russia. She's yeah. been having a rough go of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why she looks older than her age. But chronologically, I think she's only meant to be in her 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so do you think Margot, now that she's been through all of this, do you think she still believes she's made the right choice in going to Russia? I don't think she's believed that since she first set foot in Russia. <laughs> mm. I don't think she had a choice. No, I mean, I, it was either that or jail. Well, that's it. Yeah, so. I, I, that's exactly what I'm getting at. I feel yeah. like American jail. I said it flippantly last episode, but I'm sincere. I would rather go to American jail than go to so-called freedom in Russia. Uh, American jails are pretty rough. <laughs> it, yeah, but it's not like she's going to jail. She wouldn't be going to, you know, gen pop jail. She'd be going to like super secret white asset jail. jail. Yeah, she'd be going to white collar jail. Yeah, Martha Stewart jail. I can, and I just, I loved the phrase you used in your recap. What what did you call it? Mildly tortured or lightly tortured? (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, it wasn't her fingers being snapped. No, it was just forcing her to watch someone else's fingers being snapped. (laughs) As far as torture goes, there's, I'm sure, uh, worse things can happen. True. (laughs) Yeah. And it looked like they were building to worse things. And I was not down with that at all. So here's a question. Um, Bill and Leda get start, get into a brief argument about Margot, which clearly they've had for years. They both acknowledge that she betrayed America. Aleda's like, well, maybe she had a good reason, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't clear if either or both of them thought that she was still alive or if they both thought she died. I think they the... both thought she died. Okay. I think everyone thinks she died. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I feel like that would have been said if either of them suspected that she was alive, then something would have been said. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to accept that, but I also, I could explain it away because they've clearly had this argument a hundred times, a thousand times. So they wouldn't go into all the details again. They would just hit the highlights. She's a traitor. Maybe she had a good reason. We're not going, we're not getting into this again. And mm-hmm. so maybe mm-hmm. they just didn't get to that part of the conversation. I think if Alayla thought, that Margot was alive, she would be searching for her. But she's hidden in Russia. She's not going to find her. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, it has been it has been what 10, 12 years. So we don't know. She may have. And Helena not Batman. She would she would <laughs> ask around and she would hit dead yeah. ends, and that would be that. But like, again, she... I feel like if any of those things had happened, the show would have found a way to let us know. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, we'll move on now to the Happy Valley Black Market. So Gus, previous panelist Gus, uh, he and I were talking about this episode and he completely tore down this whole black market idea, pointing out all the ways in which it makes no sense. Like uh, all that contraband would be heavy. So to make weight for it on the shuttles coming from Earth and then, you know, that, that I know they have their new fast ships or whatever, and maybe weight isn't as much of an issue, but there would still be shuttles from Earth to those ships. So you'd have to like drop another payload to get all the contraband up. So like, how would Helios not notice this or NASA or whoever's doing the smuggling? 
And it also seemed as though everyone in Happy Valley was aware of the black market. So again, it strains credulity that they'd be able to keep the secret from like the very select few higher ups. Um, but still, I, I still feel like this story was tense and exciting and such an improvement on what had come before. And just for me personally, I was just so glad that they weren't going in the union direction, that they were going in this direction, that I was like, I was willing to forgive all, all sins at that point. I'm I'm glad that they weren't going in the and honestly they probably still are. This is probably probably my least favorite episode of the series so far. Of the series? Yeah. Explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um because it had the greatest percentage of storylines that I either didn't want to see or wasn't interested in. Usually pretty consistently on this show I'm interested in, in everyone's storyline. Or maybe there's one that's less interesting. This episode was mostly things I didn't want to see. <laughs> I didn't want to see the Margot Hawaii 5 CSI, the Russians, tell me what you know. You tell me what you know. Like, no, no, don't care. Not don't care. I like Margot a lot, but that's not the kind of show I want to see. That's not a show that I would normally be watching, and I was don't want to see it on Moon Show. Yeah, the, the Margot scene seemed like they were out of a totally different show. I agree. The the black market stuff, I just, I'm like, this guy is not going to be able to pull this off. I don't think he's dumb. Let's call him unlucky. He is not. He is not good with the schemes. He is either not smart enough to pull this off or not lucky enough to pull this off consistently. So the moment Ilya's like, yeah, come on board, you know, it's a fucking house of cards something's gonna go wrong maybe his fault probably his fault maybe not even his fault but he's an unlucky guy with this stuff and lo and behold he breaks the still and his solution is to do the one fucking thing he's not supposed to do and fake a emergency to break into the back of the fridge and get the thermostat so that he can make and then he gets caught. No, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't good. Well, it wasn't good. Even if I accept the leaps in logic to make all of this work out in his favor, which I guess it sort of kind of did, at least until the other shoe drops. It just, it, I'm not sympathetic to this character. I was more sympathetic to him last week. Because I get you in a shady situation. Fine. You're trying to make ends meet. Even in the beginning of this, Fine. I thought when he was like, is there anything I can do to help out? Yeah, you can you can fix my still. And, you know, I then I can maybe hook you up with stuff. But no, I, how much time has passed that he's like the number two guy all of a sudden? He's like, oh, I mean, I get he's got the green card. I'm sorry. I did not mean to go off like this. <laughs> <laughs> you're saving me the you're saving me the work on it. Keep going, man. OK, <laughs> so 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 what are the storylines? We've got uh, Aleda and Kelly. Interesting. Alayda Kelly slash Dev. Fine. Good. Because it's still moon show related. Margot, no. it was, And it's not even like it took up a whole lot of time, but I feel like it took up way more time than I want to see in my moon show. The Miles storyline, no. Just no. <laughs> Ed, fine. Yeah, but the creep factor, deducting points <laughs> for the creep factor. <laughs> That wasn't that much of the show. Like, it was mostly stuff that I didn't want to see. So I'm not even going to say it was, like, the worst episode ever, like, quality-wise. But as far as what I want to see. Just to, in terms of your personal taste, it's, just, yeah, what I, it's what not I, up your alley. What I, my personal taste and what I feel we have, what I should have reasonably come to expect from For All Mankind. This was, you know, this was, like, part heist show, part spy show. And I like spy shows and high shows, but not, not, no. <laughs> Just I, was, no. I was down with the speakeasy. That was, that made sense that, you know, here's a, here's a place where. Having a speakeasy? Sure. Having, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not even that mad at the black market. I mean, it's strange credulity as far as how much stuff he's able to do, but whatever. There would be a black market. And the more this base becomes less like, uh, you know, a military or scientific research and more like a little community, the more crime is going to happen. Especially if it's, you know, crimes like this. Fine. I, I like Ilya. Fine. 
Uh, and especially like when his when he's left her, Miles breaks the thermostat, and he's like, "Fine, we'll just all go. Strength the numbers, right? Like, don't rope your friends into your bullshit. <laughs> yeah. No." And I'm I'm glad they said no. I'd have been super even more annoyed and pissed if if any of them had actually agreed to back him up with it's like no i'm already on thin ice and like just no because this is done you know what i'm sorry there's a lot of black guys like like black guys in horror movies like nah this sounds like a dumb idea i'm gonna i'm, not, I'm gonna leave <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna go because this is stupid and where you think this is how it's gonna work out for you but miraculously it did and i don't even know if i would have preferred it if it didn't no i think yeah He's he's burned a lot of whatever sympathy I had for him because, again, this is clearly going to go bad for everyone, probably everyone on the base. Sean, you were going to respond to my, my question about like the credulity of the black market. Yeah, I was going to agree that um, I think that there it's not far fetched to think that there would be a black market. It is far fetched to think that they would be bringing up that much stuff on every shipment. There's no way you could hide that. Everything would be inspected. As soon as it came in, it wouldn't just Absolutely. be one guy with a clipboard. It would be a group of people. And then the um, the whole storyline with the thermostat and everything. Did you think that the Koreans were not going to notice that the refrigerator just stopped working after he left? He leaves that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> that was killing me that he walks away breaking the fridge. I'm like, is it? Did he break the fridge? Because like yes. he, can't get, he can't get away with this gambit if their fridge breaks like two seconds after this helios worker comes to their base i thought he was going to go in and they didn't say initially it's like there's one in the korean compound they didn't say it's in the fridge i thought he was gonna go in you know fake the emergency hey i found your problem this is malfunction he was gonna smuggle in the bad one but like hey i found your i found here's the here's the problem you got a bad thermostat um you're gonna have to order a new one and then he'll take theirs that's what i thought he was gonna do they'll switch a route right he went in and fucking stole it he just laid the fridge down, yanked the thermostat and put it back up. So clearly they don't have anything in it. So they're not using it. No, no he, what, are, what are you talking about? He, he took, took out, out all the food before he broke into yeah. the fridge. They, yeah. they yes, showed he him did. removing all their a, like kimchi and stuff. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, that and, whole and section was just so stupid. I've been like, yeah. uh, See, now, now I'm turning because I think like I'm, I'm usually like on the don't be so hard on Ed train and you guys were all like, Miles is a fuck up. I'm like, okay, here, whoa, 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 whoa. Miles is actively being a fuck up. Well, I did like that as soon as that that one, which I can't remember that North Korean's name. He was the one that was actually the first person on Mars, and he's standing there looking at him when he when he puts the refrigerator yeah. back, and he's just like, okay, see what happened was. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that Miles immediately confessed. Uh, Lee is the name of the North Korean. As soon as yeah, yeah as soon as he was like. Like, are you a spy? Basically, Miles is yeah. like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, I do not want to go down this road. Like, I would rather just tell the truth. I'm not a so, spy. I'm an idiot. He's like, well, I'm going to turn you in. What, what choice did he have? During that scene, I'm like, is Miles like just incredibly gutsy? Is he incredibly stupid? Is he naive? Is he reckless? Or does he just have nothing left to lose? It's like at this all point, of the above. <laughs> yeah, might as well just go for it, right? He got all the way to Mars and he thought it was going to be one thing and then he gets there and it's something else. So I think that he's just kind of grasping at straws. He's a th He said he's a thousand dollars short every month of what he needs to send home and everything. So his wife is having to go back to work. So I can see grasping at straws, but I can't see rising in the mafia ranks that quickly. We don't know how much time has passed exactly, but yeah. Um... I can't see him grasping at straws that include <laughs> uh, creating a potential international incident and compromising you know, base environmental systems, faking a methane leak, which apparently they got it on the main board in the control room. And someone else of comes course. over and says, oh, there's a Helios tech there. Clear the alarm. And we will not follow up on this in any way. No reports need be filed. No questions need be asked. It will obviously be perfectly fine. No, I'm sure they filed reports, and but he's like he lied on the reports. Like, yeah, there was a thing. I fixed it. He's been doing by, it by going into the Korean barracks, which is way off limits and should not be something that a guy on his level can just decide to do. He, but you know, doing that without going to Palmer is preposterous. All right, that's fair. 
agreed on all points. Mm. There are just so many holes in his plan, but because Lee is now because Lee has now decided to to be with Miles, I can fathom Lee, you know, covering up the evidence or whatever. And so once everyone else is like, "Hey, our fridge doesn't work," Lee will be like, "Oh, you know, I'll take a look." And then he's like, "Oh, we're missing. We need this or whatever." You know, Lee at this point will cover for him. Anybody got a self sealing stem bolt? You know, there I'm you gonna, go. Yeah. And and so even though, yes, like I agree, there's so many holes in the story. I just I liked it because I was on the edge of my seat. At least I didn't know what was going to happen from one moment to the other. Whereas the two previous episodes of the season were just so predictable and everything that happened, I was like, yep, they've done exactly what I thought they were going to do. And I hate it. Whereas at least this one, I was like, I had no idea right up till the end there where Lee busts out the picture of his wife. And he's like, hey, let's do some human trafficking. I I don't know. I don't know what Lee's plan is here. Like, how does how does he think Ilya, some random Russian on Mars, is going to be able to help get someone out of North Korea, the most difficult place to escape from in the world? So presumably he he's got some kind of connection on Earth that, you know, Ilya's connection on Earth can link to or something, because otherwise I have no idea what Lee is thinking. Go ahead, Scott. I have a strong suspicion that when we pick up this thread in the next episode, we're going to find out he's not actually asking for her to physically be brought up to Happy Valley to be with him. It's going to be something more like um, I need like a, a video message or a letter or some communication from my wife because we're going to find out that the North Koreans are are holding all communications to him from Earth. Yeah, I can see that. But how is she supposed to survive? In a crate, away from no. I mean, I, I, I never <laughs> imagined that he, that his idea was to get her to Mars. I just thought that he was trying to get her out of North Korea to like South Korea. Mm-hmm. But yeah. even that is a monumental task. Mm. But but your idea of it just being like a video message that that's a bit more believable. Yeah, I, but again, I think even he just that wants communication. But even that, you still have to somehow like get whoever Ilya's contact on Earth to somehow contact someone in North Korea. Again, these are very difficult things to accomplish. It reminds me of the uh, this this character, this Ilya character reminded me immediately of the Morgan Freeman character from Shawshank. Where, mm-hmm. Never know, saw it, no spoilers. Well, he's a guy that can get things. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the whole deal. He's a guy that can get things. And there's a scene in the movie where he says, where Tim Robbins asking, hey, I want you to get me something. What do you want me to get? I want you to get me her. And they're pointing at a movie with Rita Hayworth. And, oh, and they're just, he's talking like, well, that's, that's a big ask. I mean, I can't just, you know, just pull her out of my ass or whatever. You know, <laughs> I don't happen to have her down in the seat of my pants right now. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry to say, but he doesn't want the actual Rita Hayworth. He wants a poster of her. So yeah, it could be some misdirection like that. So that whole, that whole subplot needs to either become something or go away, which right part? now it's just, yeah. Like, what do you yeah. mean by that? Which subplot? The the whole black market, Miles, Ilya, the that whole thing. It's going nowhere. And it's going nowhere in a real stupid way. It's was, gonna be huge. I think it's gonna lead to a romance between uh Miles and that that other girl that's in his bunkhouse yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They're leading to that because we already know oh, that yeah. he's having trouble with his marriage and she's already said that she just got divorced before she left for Mars. So they're, they're, yeah, they're no, I, I agree. They're setting up a relationship with those two, but that's unrelated to the black market stuff, yeah, right. which that's, is now that's fine. more about Lee. The I feel like all market, the black market stuff was just setting up Lee's uh, attempt to get to his wife. To me, which, the black market is the, I guess, manifestation of this second class of Martian citizen. You know, it is it's the hub where people gather. It's the second tier of this experience. So it's it's the it's the embodiment of the half is and the half nots. So it's the system that works just as well as the system that the people in charge put in place. And so it's going to allow the revolution or whatever they're gonna do to actually have a chance and have some bite. Without the black market, they can't do anything. But all of that is in service of a plot none of us really wants anyway. So yeah. It's interesting you bring up Shawshank. Uh, also, I haven't seen the movie either, but they're treating this like it's a prison camp. 
whereas you know is there a store on base where they can go and buy stuff and it's just you know why is yes. buying it from Ilya any worse or better well she did make a comment that she had to she had to get her tampons from Ilya because the ones that they had on the base were not shitty serviceable we're just yeah basically um, it's yeah. not that they can't get yeah. things from the the they're legitimate store not as good yeah, they're just not good quality things because Helios I mean, doesn't care to give the lower deckers quality things. It's the black market. So it's like mm. the reason that black markets work is the reason this black market works. We were saying, you know, how could he bring all that stuff up? Maybe it's that he's getting access to the the high level stuff the, uh, that the, you know, the haves have access to. Now he's able to give some off of that supply and keep it and sell it in his black market. Stuff Inverting that, some of the good stuff. Yeah. That's all well and good, but like we were talking about last week, n- none of it makes sense. The pat, you know, the the company that put this base together would have to know that that many people in in a closed society with that much of a divide between the haves and the have-nots is a pressure cooker. Well, but there wasn't supposed to be that much divide between the haves and the have-nots. the The idea was this is the gold rush. Everybody's going to go up there. You know, it's good. It's good for the people in charge. It's good for the miners. We're going to send the money back. It's great money for everybody. But that got, you know, foobarred when the mining stopped. The whole reason they're up there, the whole reason they paid all those people to come up there is no longer viable for the time being. So that's that's why it's a pressure cooker now. Mm. Okay, I think I I, I don't think they're they're portraying that very well. Then Mm. I I would agree with that. It's being executed in a way that's not as compelling as pretty much every other plot and subplot that we've had in previous seasons. But I think it's possible that the building up of the black market, which really was only introduced last episode and they expanded on it here. What if the entire black market subplot is merely a stepping stone to get to this Lee asking Ilya for his wife? Well, that's what I said. Yeah. Which, which could very well lead to, escalating tensions between the North Koreans and everyone else in Happy Valley, you know, very well leading to an international incident. Now, the U.S. and Russia seem to be working well in Happy Valley. Don't know exactly what direction uh, U.S. and Russian relations are going to take uh, on Earth after this coup. But if things with Lee and his request through the American-Russian black market go south and things go really, really wrong, then the show might replace all U.S. and Russian tensions on Earth with U.S.-Russia versus North Korean tensions. They might make that the you know, the big Earth-side problem because of what's going on on Mars. And with all of that, I've also been wondering if by the end of the season, Kelly's research is going to bear out and they're going to find some evidence of life on Mars. And that might be what they hit us with at the very end of the season, which then leads into another time jump. And the thing that they're going to be working on in season five. Oh my God, life on Mars. Could be. Sorry, I started Scott's Speculation Corner without saying that I was starting <laughs> Scott's Speculation Corner. Anytime Scott starts, it's implied. <laughs> okay, so so Rick hated this episode and John hated this episode. Did the rest of you like it? I wouldn't I say it was it. fine. Uh, I thought it was fine. <laughs> I I like... Yeah, I didn't hate it either. It was certainly better than last week, but I'm still not digging the whole Miles thing and I've said that since they started the dude yeah i this is you guys have been like not feeling it this season i've been it's it's been okay i've been lukewarm on it i didn't think any of the episodes were bad it was yeah i actually thought they were they were fine um but this is the first one i did not just didn't enjoy it i was very middle of the road on this episode it occurred to me that i think a lot of the reason why i wasn't wild about this episode didn't hate it didn't even necessarily dislike it just as John said, very lukewarm, very neutral in this episode. And this was the first episode where I realized this show in the first three seasons, it used to be very focused on humanity and its fight to push further into space, fighting against space, which is trying to kill you all the time. And with the exception of the season premiere, we got last week's episode, this week's episode, there's not really a whole lot of fighting against space. There's not a whole lot of exploring space. It's it's black market stuff and it's business dealings and corporate takeovers. Well, part of that's because it's not, Na- it's not NASA anymore. It's a private corporation. 
And when you have a private corporation that's running things and they're hiring people that are not astronauts to come up and do the work, then some of this stuff that's happening with Miles is that is going to happen. You're going to start having people come up and not making the money that they were promised. And then the corporation lied to them or they didn't read their contract or whatever. But, you know, some of this stuff is realistic in my mind when you have and, a private corporation running things. Yeah. And with, so. with the story that they have set up and are telling this season, it makes sense. I just don't find it as compelling or interesting a story as we've had in previous seasons, because mm-hmm. it's stories of what happens when a corporation takes over. Um, we kind of know how that works because we yeah. live in the world. I think yes. I, I want to see cool alternate history where, where space is way more of a thing than it is in the here and now. And we've been getting that for three seasons. Now we're getting. Now we're getting things that we could get in any other basic show. That's not what we come to moon show for. We come to moon show for the alternate history and for the space exploration and for the cool astronauts doing cool things that we could never do in real life. Not the show about workers doing stuff that we do every day in our real lives. I think I don't even mind the Miles storyline so much. I just don't. I am losing the little like that I had for Miles. Actually, I was I was fine to Miles. Miles was Miles was mid level character for me. I'm actually like he's growing on me. I'm liking him better now than I did before because at least he's being proactive. And I, he's still a no, fuck up. Don't get me wrong. But I but I'm seeing it. Before it's like we were being told that he's. Like, oh, you did this weird Amway thing. You know, we were being told, but not really being shown who he is. I mean, we did a little bit, but now we're really seeing him doing stuff and he is making every wrong choice that anyone could possibly make. I mean, whatever choice is before a person, he will make the wrong one. And I'm finding that more interesting now than I did last week. I'll just put it that way. I'm not saying he's my favorite character on the show. I still don't think he deserves second billing, but you know, he's more interesting and the show is more interesting to me than it was the last two episodes. I agree with you, Scott. I don't like it as much as previous seasons because they are shifting focus, but you know, I'm still on this train. And, and Sean, just to clarify, I wasn't saying that none of it was believable. It's very believable. uh And that's part of my problem. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I would like, what this would be cool is if there's some issue um, with the base, you know, some crisis, whatever. And Danny, because she's awesome, who is fully aware of the black market, by the way, for the record, this is not happening under her nose and she's not aware of it. She's fine with it. It's not a problem. It keeps the, it keeps the troops happy. She's good with it. I buy that. But like later she's on, probably ordering some peanut butter cups and some, you know, yeah. toiletries. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the big climax, she, actually utilizes and we can call it black mile we'll just say she she uses Ilya's resources and it really is all of us up on mars have to do this thing because all the people on earth can't help us or, or don't want to help us that would be cool if danny actually unites the the base because they got to do this thing and they need the lower deckers and we need they need Ilya's connections and they need the the science team from the top like that's i hope I don't necessarily expect, but that would be a satisfying way for this to go for me. So then did you miss her in this episode? Cause she wasn't even in it. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was in one scene. I don't even recall. Scene, oh yeah. 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 At the beginning when they're, when they're saying like uh, Russia has gone to poop, she's sitting there being like, Hmm, this is concerning. Oh, yeah, okay. right. Yeah. Use, but, use, and what you're doing, she's trying to solve the problem. Use okay. your contacts, reach out and see if we can find, I know you've got your own channel. Mm-hmm. See what you can do. And going and making that effort for the members of the crew, even the lower deckers who are going to be uh, affected by that, you know, giving, making sure they have more bandwidth available. That, well, um, yeah, I thought the priority. I thought that was going to be like a thing because she was like, we're, we're devoting all the bandwidth to try to get in contact with, with the Russians, which I thought, which I interpreted as, okay, so the lower deckers are not going to get their videos again because everything is like, they might not know the reason why, well, we're devoting it to try to, to get more bandwidth to the Russians. They might just see, okay, we're getting screwed again. But that didn't even really come up. So mm-hmm. never mind. But that does remind me of another piece of uh, listener feedback I got uh, this time from Leon, who works in the tech industry. And he was like, the idea 
that one place in the station would have good bandwidth and another would have bad bandwidth makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Like it's either all or nothing. It's not like this room is good and this room is bad. It's like to get the signal from Earth is the problem, not to get the <laughs> signal from the satellite above Mars down to anywhere on Mars. They're so, further away from the router. So <laughs> yeah. So I, I was like, I was like, oh, the well, Wi-Fi is not as good. Point. Do we do we think that part of the reason that maybe people are not as hot on this season so far is because they're taking more liberties with the science? Or have they always taken liberties with the science, but the, the storylines were just better? They've always taken liberties. They but just haven't perhaps, always been so obvious. Yeah, perhaps in the past it was a little tougher for us laymen to catch the mistakes, whereas now they're like glaringly obvious. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's why, yes. So I think the that's answer what, my question That's what is you yes. just said. So yes, the answer <laughs> to your question is yes. <laughs> in the past, like in the in the first two, especially the first two seasons, uh, they played really fast and loose with orbital mechanics and fuel consumption and all, you know, how fast you can launch a ship and stuff like that. But the stories moved along at a good enough clip that even I was like, I, you know, was like, hey, wait, no, OK, no, we're on to this. So I didn't have time to think about it, which I'm fine with that. You know, if there, if you get, if you keep the pacing good and keep me entertained and I don't and it doesn't occur to me to go, why did that? But this season, it's freaking crawling. Watching this this episode for a second time, especially the Margot stuff, and it was just it was it was the same scene done like three or four different times with a different dude in a different uniform. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> uh, the same dude. Yeah, he, he, he mm-hmm. like he left and he came back. So I'm going to ask you again. She, she doesn't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to give you any further information. Like, you you left her Captain Picarding up there all night long. <laughs> she didn't come up with any new information. There were still whirling. <laughs> yeah, because ne- Margot never gave that. up her true identity. So yeah, I guess she she said she kept saying there are four lights. Well, I'm they, a Canadian well, citizen. But didn't she right at the end? They put the hood on her. They were walking her out of the room, and she yelled out to call the American embassy. Yep. Yes, she did. So then the parallel to Picard is is right on point because. Right at the end, she's she's about to say there are five lights, and Picard confessed. Was it to Troy later on? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. you know what? By the end, I actually could see five lights. Yeah. So let that be a lesson to all of us. Regardless of the number of lights, say there are four. <laughs> okay, with that, we will wrap things up. Uh, Rick, have you got anything you'd like to promote? Just check out all of the other shows on the network. They are fantastic. Uh, Sean, anything to promote? Cosmic Potato and that Star Trek podcast. All of it's on uh, infinitepotato.com. Scott, I assume you want to echo these thoughts? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Listen to all the shows on the network, including some where I am. Sorry. Uh, That would be Cosmic Potato. That would be uh, Captain Game Show. This very podcast and my own podcast, That Star Trek Podcast. And if you're tired of listening to me, for which I would not blame you, feel free to visit my website, www.planetrisecreative.com, where you can see the graphic artwork that I do for fun and profit. John? I am the creator, host, and uh, diseased mind behind Captain Game Show, the trivia wordplay podcast on this very network. You can see me appearing on other podcasts, also on this very network, also on this very podcast. Tom, Nick, and Scott appear on the latest episode of Captain Game Show, the trivia wordplay podcast of the This Very Network. Check it out. Game Show. And Tom, what have you got to promote? In addition to all the various shows on This Very Network, all of them wonderful, like that Star Trek podcast and the aforementioned Captain Game Show and Cosmic Potato and the uh, soon-to-be-released What's Your Head Canon? Canon. Okay. Canon Show. <laughs> And we've all been plugging uh, all the other shows on the Infinite Data Alliance, but I'll also plug uh, the Quantum Leap podcast, which is hosted by a previous Moon Show panelist, uh, Chris DeFilippis. Christopher DeFilippis. Which you can find at quantumleappodcast.com. And if you like Star Trek, and even if you don't, Chris, you can find my <laughs> weekly... <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh so I I sent Chris a message a little while ago on the group chat. It's like, hey, Chris, a lot of us didn't like this because he had he had said that he very much appreciated it. I yeah. was like, yeah, a lot of us didn't like this episode. Why did you? 
and he just wrote back his response. I haven't read it, but if you wanted to read it, it's in the it's in the chat. Thank you. Yeah, I'll say, okay, I'll read what he said. He said, just when you were afraid they were going to go all workers of Mars unite, they instead give you a brilliant juxtaposition of 20th versus 21st century thinking and how the show embraces both. Just blown away. He goes on. First, it went in an unexpected direction with the Mars storyline, which set the tone for the rest of the app. To wit, I love how Miles pivots into black market profiteering. I really enjoyed the Aleda and Kelly show, Something About Them Clicks, which dovetails into another favorite part of the episode, Dev 2.0. Essentially, it shows how America is still a land of opportunity for both haves and have-nots in the 21st century. You just have to find a way to circumvent your circumstances and take what you want. No bullshit allegiance to doing things the right way. The U.S. we live in today is a land of limitless possibility. There is no top. There is no bottom. There is just recognizing opportunity and navigating your way through somehow without losing your soul. Even Ed is beginning to realize this. You want to see what adherence to old ideals means? Ask Margot. Yeah, hmm. I like his thoughts. All right. He's so long-winded. <laughs> so wrong. Yeah, none of us would know anything about that. <laughs> I, I, all right. I, I like the perspective. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter my view. It doesn't matter my view. I, I like the perspective as well. Yeah, I like that take, and I will let that marinate and go back to promoting my weekly recaps of Star Trek episodes at superanemic.com, which I publish every Friday. I'm currently making my way through season three of TNG. That's superanemic.com, and with that, we say bye, Bob. Bye, bye, Bob. Bye, Bob. Hold on, you're leaving NASA? To work on this with Kelly Baldwin? And Dev Iessa. Oh, Jesus. So that's why you're here. For my shares. It's an opportunity to do pure science again without all the political bullshit. Spare me the sales pitch, Jesus. God. I'll sign the fucking thing, and then you can just go. But if you want my help, you're going to have to explain something to me. What? Why you're walking away from NASA after 15 years to work on a private robotics program that, to be frank, is beneath you. You should be director by now. I can't do manned spaceflight anymore. You've lost crew before. Guess everyone has their limit. But you always seem more resilient. I mean, you went back. I didn't have a choice. I owed it to all the people we lost. Margot, you mean? No. She lied to you. She betrayed her country and... Please, still? let's not have this oh, argument her. again, okay? We don't know why she did it. The Russians probably forced her. So we are going to have this argument again. Bill! The point I'm trying to make is I am not more resilient than you. When I first walked into the new Moker, gleaming, immaculate, I was just hit with that stench of burning plastic. Hits the back of your throat. <clears throat> it burns. Yeah, but the smell faded, and every morning I'd wake up with this feeling of dread. Then with the asteroid, it all came flooding back. I ran out of the fucking room, Bill. I left my post, and I couldn't go back in there anymore. At least you didn't pee your pants. <laughs> hey, why don't you come work with me? I feel like old times. Get you out of the house, at least. Do whatever you want with my shares. I trust you, but I'm never coming back. Thank you for listening to Moon Show, a For All Mankind podcast on the Infinite Potato Alliance. For more great shows, please go to infinitepotato.com. Our theme music is Small Victory by Steve Combs, used under a Creative Commons attribution license. You can find more of his music at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash Steve underscore Combs. That was dumb. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. <laughs>